NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Through 25 seasons, hey! 4,561 episodes, I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Since I was a little girl and read I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, Maya Angelou was a mentor for me. I never in my wildest dreams believed when I read that book almost 22 years ago that Maya Angelou, who was a mentor at the time, would become a mother sister friend to me. She calls me her daughter friend. And I love coming to this house because this is a house that's always filled with laughter. The house loves people and holds them all very well. And it's a house filled with wisdom. I tell you, no matter how old I get or how much I think I already know, I always leave this house learning something. But I would know that Mama has made it so that my hair would do right. And Mama would look over at me. <laughs> My hair would straighten up, whatever. <laughs> That's the Maya I know, but most Americans know Maya Angelou as the poet who was handpicked by our new president to inspire a nation on this day, January 21st, 1993. Lift up your hearts. Each new hour holds new chances for new beginnings. Do not be wedded forever to fear, yoked eternally to brutishness. The horizon leans forward, offering you space to place new steps of change. Here, on the pulse of this fine day, you may have the courage to look up and out and upon me, the rock, the river, the tree, your country, no less to Midas than the mendicant, no less to you now than the mastodon then. Here, on the pulse of this new day, you may have the grace to look up and out and into your sister's eyes and into your brother's face, your country, and say simply, very simply, with hope, good morning. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. 
Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Adidas, Elf Cosmetics, and Lego. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. You can save on everything you need for summer like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. First of all, where were you in the house? Were you in this house? <laughs> yeah, I was in this house. Phone rings. The phone rang downstairs. I was downstairs in the family room, either coming from or going to the fitness room. And uh, the fellow said, hello, uh, Miss Angelo, Dr. Angelo? I said, yes. He said, this is Harry Thomason. So I said, oh, how very nice to hear your voice. Um, because I know his wife, Linda Bloodworth mm -hmm. Thomason, from years ago. And I thought, oh, boy, they're going to ask me to write something for designing women. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, uh, I'm um, chair of the campaign um, Anyway, the inaugural part of the campaign. And, and uh, for Mr. Clinton, I said, yes. And he said... Because you had no inkling? No, nothing, none, nothing. None, this none, is it, first none. phone call. He said, um, Mr. Clinton was reminded last week that as president-elect, he could ask any poet in the country. My knees started to turn <laughs> to water. He said, any poet in the country to write a poem for his inauguration and uh, he said without a change of, of voice, he said, then get Maya Angelou. I said, hold on. <laughs> Let me sit down. <laughs> um, That's good. He said, I know that nobody can ask a poet to write, you know, to order, but could you have a poem ready in a certain amount of time? And, and Mr. Clinton said he not only wanted uh, you to write the poem, but he wanted you up on the platform with him to uh, deliver the poem. So I said, oh my goodness. He said, what do you think? I said, of course. But of course, that's first. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, what, what, what do I do? I mean, he said, well, Mr. Frost, Robert Frost, wrote a poem within so many uh, lines. And, but you have no, there are no uh, stipulations for you. Oh my goodness. Just whatever you'd like to say. Didn't you want a stipulation? No. No, you didn't? No, I didn't. Yeah. I must be honest. No, yeah. I didn't. So I said, thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. See ya. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> I, I sat down there in the chair for the longest, thinking, oh, my God, yeah. be with me, Lord. Yeah. Because the idea of writing a public poem is very, very serious. And to write a poem about and for and to my fellow citizens about our, our land, 
was so serious. Our land, who we are, yes, where we are. Yes, our what land, we mean, everything. Where we could go, all, everything. Everything, what went before and who we are now and where we have yet to go and all that. That's what I mean, our country. Even for you, didn't you feel a bit pressured? Oh, I felt pressured. But you see, or and you see, what allows me to go on from darkness into darkness is a profound faith. I am a child of God. And there's a wonderful line in a 19th century song, spiritual, which says, I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. I love that. You see, I just don't believe it. I know that I'm a child of God. And the, the request from my president is a result of me being a child of God. And I am up to it. I come from the Creator, like everybody else, trailing wisps of glory. So all I have to do is prepare myself, pray, and get centered, and go to work. So how did you do it? Every day did you work a little when bit? When I thought about it. Well, you thought well I had to wait until it could get all into the marrow of my bones and into my fingernails, <laughs> into my hair follicles. And when I finally understood what I had to do, then I started writing. And I took my hotel room, mm -hmm. and I went to it every morning, and I sat there and wrote about my country, about my own people, African-Americans. I wrote about Irish. I wrote about Italians. I wrote about Jews. I wrote about Anglos. I wrote about all Asians, all of us. I just wrote page, reams, really. And then came the work of reducing, reducing it. It's a good poem. I know that. It could have been great. Why do you think it's not great? Because I didn't have enough time. Hmm. There's a wonderful line of a journalist. A journalist said to his or her editor, said, okay, here's this piece you asked for. It's 20 pages. If you'd have given me another week, I could have made it 10 pages. Really? That's it. Right. Uh, another few months with that poem. But I'll write another poem. Really? Oh, yes. For the country? Of course. Yes. I will do it. Mm -hmm. It will be a more private poem, but it will be for my country. Where did a rock, a river, a tree come? Where did well, that come? Well, a rock came from the 19th century spiritual. Oh, there's no hiding place down here. Mm -hmm. Oh, I went to the rock to hide my face. Rock cried out, no hiding place, no hiding place down here. So the rock came from that. The river from deep river. Mm -hmm. My soul is over, Georgia. That's right. And also from, I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down, down by, by the riverside. Side. I knew you were going to sing with me. <laughs> I knew it would come. So, and the tree. And the, and the tree is my grandmother's favorite song, which was, I shall not, I shall not be removed. I tell her, Mama, it is not removed. She said, yes, sister, Mama, no. I <laughs> shall not, I shall not be removed, just like a tree. 
that's planted by the water. I shall not be moved. That's where it came from. So those three symbols came from those three elements of genius in the African-American literature and canon of art. Were you nervous standing up there? Weren't you? Were you nervous? I was nervous I for you. I know you were. Yeah, I was praying you and crying. You filled my hotel with flowers. Yeah. You filled I it with your love. Every could, flower yeah. there was yes. floating around <laughs> and standing up alone and helped and propped up. And I loved it. I loved it. I thank you. I gave it to God, really. I had the poem. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry to say I left out in the speaking a line which included the Italians, Hungarians, and Poles, but that was included in the official poem. But I gave my energy to God and said, if this is what you want done, I will do it. So I stepped into the poem, and that's all, and I gave the poem. Was it one of your proudest moments? It would be ungrateful of me to say it was not. It was a great, proud moment. Sometimes people think that the public recognition is the greatest thing that can happen to one. I don't know if that is so. I think some private revelations may be greater. And I don't know, you know, the poet also must know that all comparisons are odious. So you can't say this was greater than that. I think one of the great moments, the great moment in my life, happened in 1953. I was with a teacher, Frederick Wilkerson, who um, was a voice teacher and also a kind of spiritual teacher. And he had a number of students, opera singers, all white and all very, very well known. And I was a dancer and just trying. And he stayed in my house. So he had these people come over, his favorites come over every Saturday. And we would read the Bible and read Lessons in Truth. And it fell my turn to read. I was in my own home, which was a beautiful home. Mm -hmm. And I read, God Loves Me. And he said, read it again. And I said, God loves me. And he said, read it again. And he was embarrassing me in front of all these people, these older, well-known. I said, God loves me. He said, now try to know it. Hmm. And I said, God loves me. Oprah, Oprah, it's still, the skies open up. I can do anything, anything I want to do, anything good, anything helpful. I can do it. You see? Yes, I do. That is the greatest moment. I, I feel like I'm one of the most blessed people on earth for so many reasons. But one of the best gifts I ever received that was just, I think, more than a, a gift was a it was pleasure and joy and a blessing all wrapped in one, was a handwritten book Maya Angelou wrote to me beginning April 6th of 1990. And they were just thoughts that Maya had that she wanted to share with me. It really is a treasure. And they're lessons that I had learned or things that you had said to me over the years. 
And I think the best lesson I ever learned, when people ask the question, what is the thing you've learned the most out of life, is a lesson, you know which, which one it is? You're, not, you're not in it. You're not in it. Yes, exactly. You're not in it. Of course. I remember it. And, and I remember also telling you that a number of times. Yes. Because no lesson is learned immediately. Right. It took me a long time to get it, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, you got it, but you get it on so many levels. You see, there's a phrase used in West Africa, deep talk, mm -hmm. meaning that you, anybody will understand on a certain level. People who are interested in really understanding more take that statement or that lesson a little deeper. Somebody else will take it even deeper. And the West Africans suggest you can never understand completely. Even at 80, as far down as you take that aphorism or as far down as you take the adage, or their advice, you could still go deeper if you'd live long enough. Mm. So when I told you the first time you were, you called and you, some newspaper tabloid, tabloid had just vilified you and, or, or Stedman mm -hmm. or both and, and you were really as close to, to losing it. You were so hurt by the erroneous and, and ridiculous and cruel accusations, that you were just hardly getting your breath. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're not in that. And you said, yes, but you see, this is what they said. And I, I said, yes, but you are not in it. <gasps> yes, but, and then I heard you start to realize what I was saying, that that has nothing to do with you. That has all and everything to do with the perpetuator. Right. And he or she or they are going to get their living out of you getting your dying. And so obviously you can't give in to that because right. you are not in it. And you know, it happens I, to people who are on, on, in every walk of life, not just people who spend their lives like you know I do on television every day, but I, I hear little girls who are going to school and people are talking about them in class yeah. or when people are making fun of you or your neighbors, there's a click in the neighborhood or a click in the office, but the, the lesson is always the same. It's You're not true. in it. It's true. They would have done that without you. This is what you have to realize. And this is true of the rape victim. You see, that understanding is as broad as life is. So that the rape victim so often thinks that she is in it, or he is in it. That same rapist would have done somebody else. Another one of the things you've taught me is that, I love that phrase that you say, that people will try to peck you to death like ducks. Yeah. Not just out, most people don't have the courage to just come out and... And kill you. And kill you. That's true. They will take a little piece of your That's knee. Right. Yeah, they'll take the flange off your nostril mm -hmm. and a bit of the lobe of your ear, hoping that you didn't even notice it, uh -huh. you see. And that, that's called blow, bite, and blow. That means that you blow on something until it becomes anesthetized, quickly bite, and then blow again. Hmm. And the person doesn't even know he's been bitten. You see, West Africans call that blow, bite, and blow. Wow. So people do that, and that's my son's phrase, pecked to death by ducks. Pecked to death by, by ducks. ducks. Have people tried to do that to you? Oh, many times. Many times. I mean, it hasn't stopped. I'm sure that it's happened today. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I, I encourage you, and I have two other people who I consider daughters, daughters and the black rose 
in San Francisco and a girl, a woman, in West Africa, Araba. If I could have had daughters, you three would have been the, the three I'd have chosen. My encouragement is to stop it as soon as it ha as soon as you hear it, as soon as you sense. This person wants me dead. The person just walks in and says, oh, you're putting on weight, huh? You say, stop it. Not me, you don't. <laughs> Not me, Jack. Not me. Not me, out. Get out. Now, I have lost or left a lot of men who, um, you know, just in public would say something like, well, Maya, I don't know why she wore that dress. This is not the dress that looks good on her. I said, that's the end. <laughs> that's it. So the man then, when we get home, because I start packing his clothes, he says, you take everything to the max. I say, yes, because I know that once you take that flange off my nostril, pull one patch out of my hair, and I don't say anything, the next thing, you'll have me bald. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, that just happened to me the other day. I was someplace, somebody was asking me to do something. This woman, I didn't even know her, and she says, oh, but you know me. And I said, but no, I don't really, I don't, I'm not sure. She says, but I knew you when. I knew you when you were barefoot and you were walking back some, and I was thinking, Oh, she wants me. Yeah, she wants exactly. Me. She wants me dead. Exactly. She wants exactly. me dead. This is it. But I didn't have the courage to do that. But I didn't have, have the courage to, to say, stop you it. You must. Yes. You do them a favor, mm -hmm. not only yourself. You do them the favor of not having to do that again to somebody who will actually knock their heads off. <laughs> you understand? Yes, I do. You really do them a favor. The best thing to do is stop them in their tracks. Just say, stop, stop it. it. Stop it. And they say, oh, I didn't mean any harm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was a joke. Mm -hmm. You can't take a joke. No. No. Stop it. You have been such a teacher for me and so many people in the world. When did you make the transition, or have you, from learner to teacher? Oh, no, I'm learning. I am learning. Right now, I am learning. One of the joys for me in having you to talk to is I, would, I have no compunction about saying to you, this is my trouble, and I'm working on this. And you say, mm, well, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think that's right. Yeah. And I laugh so, and I thank you for it. The greater the teacher, the more apt and eager she or he is to learn. Sometimes when I talk to you, you I think this child talks to 20 million people every day. Let me pray on this, and I will, I, say, I will say, I'll talk to you later, and I will pray so that I am as close to right as possible. I continue to learn because of the people who do listen. And this is, I must say that about you, I love you, of course, but I love the fact that you listen. Now, you may go on and do, do something altogether other. <laughs> But, but, isn't, you, but that's what you would that's want me right, to do, exactly. to be my own woman. Absolutely. Yeah. But you listen, and I love that in you. And some part of what I say resides See, and I remains. take it and I make it my own. I know. Let's talk about courage, because right. in the book that you wrote to me, I don't even have to look it up, but you say that it is the best of the virtues, because without it, you cannot practice any of the others. That's true. It's true. You With no to... courage, you can't do anything else. Well, you can do it erratically, mm -hmm. but not consistently. You can be erratically generous, 
You can be erratically forgiving. You can be erratically merciful and even just, but not consistently without courage. Because what happens is, suppose I decide I'm going to be to not tolerant, but understanding and generous to gays. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's because I know it's right to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do it. And then suddenly, somebody in my job says, you know, this guy is gay. You know what that means. Or somebody said, well, you know, she's a les, and you know what that means. Now, if I know my job depends upon it, I'm subject to say, yeah. Mm -hmm. But if I have courage, I have to say, excuse me. I'm sorry, you cannot insult people in front of me with my approval. I'm sorry. Now, so this person goes to the boss and says, you know, Maya Angelou, you know, she's soft on gay, she's probably less herself. <laughs> and then suddenly the whole office turns, and I'm the pariah. Mm -hmm. But if I have courage, if I have courage, I can continue to be fair. Hmm. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. You know why it's hard to do? Because most people, you're right, people come up and say things that you really don't approve of, and most people just do that. <laughs> I know. That thing. And, they, and something, you see, that too is killing. That's, because something dies, dies inside. inside you when you do yes. that. If I were white, there would be no way possible that I would sit in company, any company, in my family, and have somebody called a nigger or a kike, or a wop, or dago, mm -hmm. or greaser, or something. Mm -hmm. I will not sit in my company with all black people, with my family, and have anybody called a honky. I will not do it. I say, not here, you don't. Mm -mm, that's poison, dear heart. Mm -hmm. I won't have it. I have been in the house when people have said, not call somebody a hunky, but when people have said things that you didn't like. I mean, what is amazing, especially in this house being as large as it is, I thought you were on the other side of the room, and you can hear it and go, all right, stop it. Stop it. Yes, I've oh, seen yes. you do it. Yeah. It's too dangerous. Mm. It is too dangerous. You see, 50 years ago, Oprah, nobody would have believed that there would be one day a button you could turn and see what was happening in Paris. If you'd said, listen, one day I'll be able to see what's happening in Bosnia, mm. And people would have put you right into the snake pit. I believe that words are things. Someday we'll be able to know and measure, as mad as it sounds, we'll be able to measure the hostility or the kindness that emanates from certain words that people exude when they say certain things. Mm -hmm. And I think they stick on the walls. They go into the upholstery. Mm. They go into your clothes and finally into your very body. Wow. I believe that. I believe it too because, you know, you can walk into some places like you feel in this house. I, I was saying that this house loves people and this house, your house, this home is best when it's full of people. It just, the laughter and love of people vibrates in this That's house. True. And there's nothing better than this house is full and we're all in here. <laughs> and we're laughing so and loud. Laughing. And our, we laugh so loud, our heads automatically <laughs> fall back. Oh! So there have been times when I've walked into places where the energy was, the tension, the energy, the jealousy or whatever mm. was so strong, I have to say, yes, not here, not I can't here. be yes. here. Yes. Yes. 
So what is that? Well, I, that's that sticking that you're talking thing. about. I believe it is a tangible. It's just that we can't see it. And although we do touch it, we mm -hmm. don't know what we're touching. Mm -hmm. And it is touching us and changing us. Those things that change us for the better, the prayers, the kind words, the sweetness, the laughter. When somebody says, girl, you're looking good. And something happens. Mm. You, you think you're only hearing it, but something is happening positively. I thought, thought it was interesting when you said words are things. Yeah. When did you know that? Maybe I knew it long before I knew I knew it. Mm -hmm. I, I was a mute for many years, and words meant so much to me. I love to hear people talk. And even today, I, I must confess, I've never heard a human voice I didn't enjoy. Really? I've never. Any way people sound pleases me. I've hated some of the things they've said. But the actual voice, I love the human voice more than anything, probably. And you were mute for? It's almost six years, about five and a half years. Meaning you just, you lost your voice? No, I didn't. I left it. It you didn't left leave, your voice. leave me. I had been raped and um, I told, of... at the age of seven and a half, mm -hmm. and I told the name of the rapist to my brother who then told it to the family. And the man was uh, put in, in jail for one day. He was released and about two days later, I was at my maternal grandmother's house, and the police came in and said the man had been kicked to death. And I thought my voice had killed him. So I thought it would be wise for me not to speak. That was my seven and a half year old logic. If I spoke, people might die, just randomly. Um, after about a year and a half, I forgot why I stopped speaking. Because did you understand what the rape had been? Did you understand what that was? Well, I knew I had been violated. I knew that. I knew I had, that he had done something wrong. But I also thought I had done something wrong because he used to hold me, you see, mm -hmm. and I loved that. So then I thought, well, maybe I, I did it. Maybe I made him do it. Mm -hmm. I had that, unfortunately, for a number of years. Mm -hmm. It was 13 before I really started talking again. But I loved to listen. So I would go into rooms and just think of my whole body as being an ear. Wow. And I could just take in sound. And it's that, that uh, which allows me to speak so many languages. I simply open myself to sound. And when I speak, I have very little accent, American accent, certainly. But my sp I speak Spanish. and. I have a Mexican accent. My, my Spanish is Mexican. And because that's the way I love it and the way I learned it, my French is good. So when you wrote I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, was that a cleansing and a proclaiming of yourself to the world? I don't think so. Yeah. I've heard that that's what it was supposed to be. But really? You know that it was supposed to be in its own way cathartic and mm -hmm. that. I don't know about that. I didn't feel that I had doffed a particular mortal coil, you know. I felt I had tried to write the truth and write it eloquently. Mm. But I don't know, you know, that I never agreed with Thomas Wolfe's statement that you can't go home again. Really? My belief is you never can leave home. Mm. 
You take it with you. Everywhere you Everywhere go. Everywhere you go. Hmm. So uh, my past is my present. And everything that's happened in your past is what makes you who that's you are right. right this moment. That's right. When you wrote that, did you know that it would do for me and everybody else who's ever read it, particularly young black girls? I opened that book. First of all, what you, when you open the first page, I grew up in the church, raised by my grandmother, doing speeches. When you open the first page, and the first words are, what you looking at me, me for? for? Didn't come to stay, only came to say, happy Easter day. Yeah. When, I, when I thought, there is a world out there that's about me? Somebody knows about right, this? Right. It's a, it was a, it, what it did to me. Oh, thank you. Was it just amazing. It changed my life. And because I, that, I think that was the first piece of black literature I read, and after that, I couldn't read enough. Yes. I yes. couldn't get enough. I know. That's yes. why I send you the books by there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, and have them have some books. Leatherbound, yeah. you do, yes. Yeah. Well, when you wrote it, I want to know hear from your mouth why you know the caged bird sings. Well, there are two, or maybe 2,000 reasons. The caged bird sings because it must. Hmm. It must or die. It Maybe it must and die, I don't know, but it must sing. Sometimes the melody arrived at in the cage is much more fetching much more appealing, much more profound, much more poignant than the, the melody arrived at by the bird who's on the loose. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill. Its song is heard on the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. Freedom. Freedom, let me out of here. Mm -hmm. Let me out of here. Mm -hmm. And so there's something universal about that song, since all of us are caged in some way or another. And so people can hear it and say, oh, yes, oh, Lord, let that bird out. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at least I feel for the bird. I ran across in my senior memory book not too long ago, my goal, in the senior memory book, it says, take a good long look at yourself. And I ran across something that I had written. It said, I want to be a genuine female woman, strong and confident in myself. I want to come back and talk about what that means because so often on the show, we have psychologists every day who say, yes. you need to learn to love yourself. Yes. It's so hard when people are filled with self-loathing. Yes. And doubt. And doubt. Sometimes it isn't even strong enough to be loathing, which can be turned around. It's just doubt. It's indecision. It's confusion. You can't love yourself all the time. But what you can do is approve of yourself for living. Approve of yourself. For being alive. For being alive. You know, you can say, well, I'm alive and I thank God for that. And so, I mean, I did something very dumb yesterday and mm -hmm. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Or uh, I'm not seeing as profoundly or acting as, as nobly. And that's a really important word. It is. It is, it? yeah. Uh, I'm not acting as nobly as I know I could or should or must. But I do approve of myself for being alive. Now, you see, as long as you do that, you leave yourself room to grow. Mm -hmm. Do you understand people who feel the need to kill themselves? Yes, I do. You do? I'm sorry to say. Because they don't approve of themselves for being alive. That is exactly it. 
They don't say, I must have some reason for being in this world. They can't say that. And unfortunately, they have looked to someone else for approval. One of the reasons I love being in this house is that you are guaranteed the best meal you ever <laughs> had in your life. Even if you were just here last week, this meal is going to be the be best meal you ever had. <laughs> Something happens with you and food. Yeah. It's like nothing I've ever experienced. What is that that goes on with you in the kitchen? I love to prepare food. I love to look at, um, at produce. You do? I love to look at you it. You love to look yeah. at produce? Yes, it's gorgeous. Mm. It's the bounty of God, isn't it? Mm. I never thought of it, but yes, you're I right. I mean, when you go into a market and you see yellow peppers and green peppers and cucumbers and eggplant and tomatoes and onions and, but, I mean, the range of color. That gets you going? It's so gorgeous. <laughs> it's like looking at a, at a beautiful bouquet of roses, yeah. or flowers, rather. Mm -hmm. so, and our group of people, I love that colors of people, don't you? I mean, black, brown, blue, red, yellow, pink, white, yellow, tawny, copper-colored. God, I love that. Really? But I like to feel it. I like to, to hold food, produce, and meats, and fowl. And I love to cook it and prepare it and present it to people I like. I like all of that. You, ca you have the kind of home that, I mean, that I hope to have one day, and that is all kinds of people come to this house. <laughs> I mean, not only just in the way they look and the countries they come from, but the different backgrounds. And you can, on a Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon here, you can put yourself in 12 different conversations, as I've done many times, and feel like you're a part of all of yes. them. How did that happen? Well, I live in this world, mm -hmm. and, and I want to know I want to be a part of people's lives, and I want their lives to be, you know, a part of my life. Uh, my neighbors around, when I went to a birthday party given to me by my sweetheart <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, little bitty children, some small people about that tall, stood outside in the dark singing. These are little white children and maybe a couple of black ones, and they They, today, the children came. They come, they feel, uh, uh, that's Dr. Angelo, uh, she's a friend of mine. <laughs> and so these small people, some blonde, some brown-skinned, some dark, some black, some Asian, they come and they stand in the door and I sit on the top of the step. And I say, talk to me. Tell me what is. Well, see, Dr. Angelo, here's what happened because. <laughs> and they feel very fine. You've taught so much, you shared with us that the greatest thing you learned, which is, uh, is what I will take from here with me today, I will have to ponder on that, God loves me. Because my brain can't even hold it all. My brain can't even hold it all. Each time, I, that was in 1953, that's 40 years ago, each time I allow myself to say the words, I am suffused with tears of gratitude and wonder. And I am re-established 
as a giving, living, full human being with every right to everything right on this earth. God loves me. Me. Me, Maya. Me, the very person who's made all these mistakes, who's blown it so many times, who's been rude and unkind too many times, short-tempered. When the Bible asks you or suggests, be patient. Mm -hmm. Have patience, have courtesy, have gentleness. If a friend wants to make a, or an enemy for that matter, wants to make up with you, you go further toward the reconciliation. How many times should you forgive? Seven times 70? No, 70 times 70 and mm. on and on. And on and on. And I know that, but I blow it all the time. However, at the end of the evening when I check myself out, and I think, well, I only blew it 922 <laughs> times today. <laughs> okay, then I ask forgiveness and I forgive myself. Very important. I forgive myself, knowing that I meant to do right. And I hope tomorrow just be 899 mm -hmm. times, you see. Mm -hmm. But I can do that because of the realization, which I don't have to confront, because it's like a light too bright. Mm -hmm. I can only know a bit of it all the time. I can't know that all the time. I'd walk around crying all the time. All the time. Well, I hope to know it even more. Uh, God loves Yeah. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.